Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. In an effort to improve this show and make it sound tighter, our host is wearing Spanx underwear. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Uh, On this week's show, uh, a tale of three vintages of the same tobacco. So the the Sutliff Kringle Flake sat down with the last three years of it, and you get to hear about that. Uh, my guest this week is uh, Pete Prevost from Briarworks, and we get to talk about uh, what's going on at Briarworks and the Mule Town Pipe Show. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, thank you to all of you who responded to the, uh, I, I guess I'm going to call them journeyman pipe smokers, the five to ten years. I've got a whole list of you, and I will be emailing you all shortly. Uh, with some recording dates for you to pick from. Uh, the response was incredible. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll get those all pre-recorded over the next couple of months, month or so, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's a lot of them. So we got that. Um, and please keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you are. Keep sharing them out and uh, let everybody know that you're listening to it. Uh, who saw my post of uh, New Pipe Day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I actually got to see the pictures of those pipes. So, uh, if you're not already following me on Facebook and Instagram, go ahead and do that. And then you get to see the occasional rare picture. And I'm going to do better about that. Try to do better about uh, putting some stuff out on social media. So. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks. Going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the Pipe Collector's Auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And just when you thought Christmas wasn't, just when you thought Christmas was over, well, guess what? Here we go. Kringle Flake is a uh, annual release from the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Uh, Kringle Flake is uh, a blackened red Virginia flake with 17-year-old Perique. Uh, and now, as we enter the Holiday 22 edition, it's now 19-year-old Perique. So, uh, the first one was 17-year-old Perique, then 2021 was 18-year-old Perique. 2022 is, obviously, a year older. Um, so, what's interesting about this blend is, first of all, it reminded me a lot of the uh, the Sutliff Crumble Cakes. And I'm a big fan of Virginia Perique, so obviously I jumped on it. Well, I now have three different vintages of it, 2020, 2021, and the most recent at 2022 sitting here in front of me. Uh, I have smoked a bowl out of each one just to kind of refresh myself and give myself a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a, a 
a little bit of a memory of what it smoked like because I hadn't smoked a tin of it in probably six months. Um, the main thing is the difference in the look. So the 2020 tobacco is markedly darker. Uh, it's uh, It's got less but just by a little bit of that uh, uh, that uh, vinegar flavor. I'm trying. I'm reaching for the correct words, but I, I didn't want to call it vinegar. But that's the correct word for it. Uh, and as the the 2021, it's kind of not fair because I did open that up before and I rejarred it because I only I only had one tin of it, so it's been sitting in a jar. So the color is matched to the two-year-old stuff. Uh, what I did notice about the new one, which I bought in uh, December, and I just opened up literally like an hour before I started this, uh, was that it's not... It, you can still see some of the... Uh, you can still see a lot of the, of the, of the Red Virginia in there. Uh, it doesn't have as pungent of a vinegar smell as I thought it would being brand new so I'm wondering if maybe Sutliff has found some way to dial that down a little bit uh, because when the like with the crumble cakes I know you open it up and that will kind of punch you right in the nose but this one just doesn't have that uh, doesn't have that and the other thing that I noticed is that uh, maybe it's just this tin that I got but the cut of the flakes is dramatically more uniform and a little thinner. So it made it a lot easier to rub out a bowl and let it dry down a little bit. Uh, it did come a little bit on the wet side for me for my smoking right away. So I did have to let that one dry down a little bit. The two-year-old, when I opened it right away, it seemed to be right at a good moisture level for me to smoke. So I did that right away. Now, I did not do any of my um, microwave oven or manipulating of these. And once we're, uh, once I'm done with them, uh, you know, once I'm done doing the descriptions here, uh, I will do the microwave, rub them out all the way, and get them ready. And then I'll finish smoking them over the next uh, two weeks. And remember, they're only ounce and a, they're one and a half ounce cans. So uh, not a full 50 gram tin. Uh, the other thing that I want to comment on is that in the two-year-old tin, I did start to notice some rusting or uh, manipulating of the silicone seal. So this goes back to what I said before about the uh, crumble cakes, is that if you want to age them for longer than, I would say, five years, you're going to want to open them up and put them into glass jars. Uh, I noticed there was a good and proper amount of staining to the white uh, coffee filter looking paper on there. And with the brand new one, as I look at it again, there's hardly any staining, maybe just a little bit. Uh, but again, it's, you know, and I, I'm wondering if also maybe on the new one, did they dial down the amount of parique a little bit? Because uh, it does seem to be a. It seems to have more brighter sections in it. I doubt they did. I think the brightness that I'm seeing in the 2022 edition is just the fact that it's only been in the can for probably three months now and that the black perique in there hasn't had a chance to really move over and stain or marry the red Virginias yet. And of course, with stuff as you age it, it's going to get darker and darker. Uh, the 2021 edition is... Uh, still really black and oily and uh and has you know just a it's still got a good moisture level to it uh not a lot of crystallization showing up on the 2021 edition yet but the 2020 edition and i did have to get out a loop to really see it does have the beginnings of some sugar crystals starting to work on there so that's exciting to see uh but once again it proves to me if you take the same blend and yeah, they're doing these in separate batches, but if you take the same basic blend and you give it that one to two years of aging, even maybe just as little as six months, but that one to two years of aging in a room temperature place just seems to do magic to making the, uh, 
you know, making the blends just kind of marry and balance. And that's what I would say exactly happened with the uh, two-year version because just in the in the one bowl of each that I smoked real quick, the two-year version was a dramatically more balanced flavor, didn't burn quite as uh, hot or bitey, and was a much more enjoyable experience for me. And that's just by letting it sit for two years. So there you go. All right. Uh, in just a moment, my conversation with uh, Pete Prevost. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for the third time, actually technically the fourth time, uh, the most recent time was at a uh, IPCPR or PCA, whatever convention that name is now. But uh, Pete, the last time you were on the show was just over five years ago. And the first time you were on the show was, <laughs> was <laughs> 10 years ago. So uh, from Briarworks USA, Pete Prevost. Pete, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's hard to believe that it's been that long since I've been on the show. Yeah, the first time you were on the show was show number 85. And now we're at 540-something. So, uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last time was uh, show... Wait, where'd the number go? Oh, well, I lost it. Um, yeah, so it's been a while. So it, it, it's good to catch up with you. Uh, tell me what is going on at Briarworks? What what's new in the past five years? <laughs> Man, so that's kind of crazy because we have had so many changes and things happen in that past five years. Um, I'm going to guess that I don't know what date I was on the show um, last time, but it had to have been around the time maybe even just before we actually moved the factory and shop from nashville down to columbia tennessee because we are um as of i think maybe month next month or the month after that we'll have been in this building in columbia for five years wow so first off that's a, that was a major change, and I'm guessing that I haven't been on the show since that. And so there's a lot there's a lot to catch up on here. <laughs> yeah, so let let's talk about the place because it's also the front half is a is a retail smoke shop and uh, and and beer bar. From what I've heard from one person who is very enthusiastic about the beer bar. Yeah, who might that be? I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you know. No, but. Some guy. Um, okay, so let me let me tell you what all has happened in the past five years and give you the quick catch up. So, about five years ago, um, we were at the time up in Nashville, and the area that we were in in Nashville is uh, it's very much like an industrial area, and I was really we were having a lot of people that were calling the shop and like saying. Hey, I want to come visit the factory. I want to see it. Um, can I do that? Or frankly, we had people that would just show up at our door and <laughs> there wasn't really, we didn't set it up to really give people like a tour of the shop or show them around. 
And we kept having people coming by more and more. So I thought, you know, it would be really cool if we could move into an area and a space that we could have our own little retail presence up front for the pipes and also have like a good setup for the shop so that we could then allow people to come in. We could give them a quick little tour, let them see the shop. Um, And I had this idea about we'll separate the two rooms and we'll put a window so that people can like hang out up in the front and, and have a smoke and look through the window and see operation going on in the background. And so I started (laughs) looking around for spaces, but really it just felt like Nashville wasn't the right place for that because there's a lot of good shops in Nashville to, to buy pipes and cigars and, it felt like we kind of needed to do our own thing and kind of maybe even create our own little destination spot um, on the outskirts of Nashville. So there's this really cool town about 45 minutes south of Nashville, Columbia, Tennessee. So I started looking down in Columbia because it's got a great little downtown square and there's a lot of like people moving towards the outskirts of Nashville as it's grown. And so I thought that could be just a perfect area for us to get into before it really takes off too much. And we were fortunate. Um, we ended up getting exactly in, in the exact building that I, I wanted us to be in, which had plenty of space for us to grow into because not only were we going to have a retail store and a factory, I always thought, man, it would be really cool if we could host our own annual pipe show eventually as well and have space to do that. So about just under five years ago, we ended up moving into this building and we got the factory side set back up uh, pretty quickly, got back into operation there. And then we started the build out for the front. And the front side of it, I mean, it just kept developing you know, each few months we kept adding, you know, different things. And from where we started with the retail store to where it is now, it's a completely different thing. So <laughs> when we first opened it up in, uh, in September of 2018, we just had our pipes, some pipe tobacco, and a small cabinet uh, humidor of cigars. Uh, and then quickly after that, we built out a, a really nice little walk-in humidor and continued to grow our cigar selection. And then a little bit after that, we added our beer permit and we got our beer permit and we added, um, several taps of beer, some bottle and can stuff. And we kind of kept it going like that for a little while. Um, and then we got into, um, into having darts here and added a few dart boards. And then it kind of came this this local spot for people to come play darts. (laughs) And then as that continued to grow and then about six months ago, I think it was, we actually added our liquor license as well. So, so we actually now are a full bar. We've got great beer selection. We've got, great spirit selection, some cocktails. Um, and we also have darts and a great cigar selection, pipes, pipe tobacco, you name it. We're open seven days a week and we keep pretty long hours. So we're pretty much always open just about. And the locals have really come to love that because pretty much anytime anybody wants to go to Briarworks, we're, we're probably open. So it's, it's pretty cool. So do you see your wife and kids much at all? I totally do. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I made a I made a very the first couple of years it was I mean, I was here a lot and but we already had the same great employees that we've always had, but we've added a few more people um since then and so that's been huge and we've got like really awesome people that work up front in the bar. And so actually uh, I'm at a point now where I pretty much am here like five days a week during the daytime, sometimes on the weekends, but mostly like my schedule's 
finally settled into something somewhat normal, um, even though I do work from <laughs> home quite a bit. Um, but we actually have the, the storefront side of it pretty well covered, which is nice. I, I like your, your idea of normal is compared to a musician's hours. So congratulations. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk what's going on. What's going on with the pipes? I mean, I've, I've actually heard that you guys are having, you know, like um, sales issues in that you can't always supply all your orders or fill all your that, orders. Man, that has been probably the biggest challenge for us these past couple of years, to be honest. Um, we, I think a lot of people know this about our pipes and the quality of our pipes, but we don't, we don't skimp on quality and we're very intentional about the detail on our pipes and we really want everything that we put out to be of the highest quality possible. And so, and it's a really, it's a big point of pride for us. I mean, it's one of the things that we're really proud of um, to be able to just, you know, feel good about everything that we're sending out. And if there's ever issues, we always try and, you know, take care of everybody Mm -hmm. as best we can. And so part of the problem there is, you know, we do such a good high level quality of detail in our pipes that it's not something that you can easily just teach or train somebody that's not already a uh, handmade carver uh, to make. So we kind of are limited on how much production we can do. And we at a there was a point where I think our goal years ago was, okay, let's figure out how we can make a lot of pipes and then let's figure out how to make more pipes and more pipes and like eventually, you know, make, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 pipes a year, like some of these other factories. I really, as we moved down here and we started doing the lounge and the, the pipe show and other things, I think we just had a really big shift in focus and we thought, you know what? I think we just need to own the fact that we may only be able to make three or 4,000 pipes a year. And that's what we, that's what we can produce because we're not going to skimp on the quality. It's always going to be a really good quality pipe. But with that being said, the name has gotten out more, the brand has grown. So the demand has increased as well. And so it's been a real challenge this past couple of years as more and more retailers have contacted us to get pipes in their store. Uh, more and more customers have visited our store and bought pipes. So that's been a big challenge for us. We've, you know, we're, we've worked through some of it. And I feel like we've done a little bit better job about uh, keeping everybody happy there. But I think it's good for people just to know that um, part of the reason that pipes aren't available is that we can only make a limited amount of production per year and that's about all we can do. Um, so get them while you can. <laughs> so, so, so you're saying it's hard to find Oompa Loompas that will work in a pipe factory. Turns out it's not as easy as you would think. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more pipes and then the Mule Town pipe show with Pete. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Pete Prevost, president of uh, Briarworks USA and uh, so, Pete, basically what you're saying is if I see a Briarworks pipe that I like and it's available, don't wait, right? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, 
it's tough. You know, you want to, you want to keep everybody happy. You want to, you know, we get a lot of emails from people looking for very specific pipes and we, there was a time before um, I think our, our name had really grown and our brand had grown that it was really easy for us to accommodate those kind of one-off orders uh, from customers. But we're just at a point now where it, it really slows down the, you know, limited amount of production that we can do to do that. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely, if you see something out there and you're into it, I'd say go ahead and grab that thing because uh, you know, who knows when we might be making that exact same thing again. I also heard a rumor and you can tell me if it's true or not. uh, This last summer's, premium cigar association trade show which has turned dramatically cigar focused uh you guys were there and you sold out of all the pipes that you had on the first day we certainly did that is a that is a true rumor it was it was kind of crazy so we (laughs) you know we we tried to get as many pipes together as we could before the show and there, we did bring a good amount. Um, and we thought, okay, this will at least get us through a couple days. And then, you know, maybe the last day or the last half day of the show, if we need to, we can start like a waiting list and we can just let retailers know, like, listen, we can't guarantee you you're going to get like the exact shape and finish and stem color and all that if you will just put your name down this waiting list, just trust our judgment, give us a quantity that you want. We'll put together a selection for you as soon as we can. And so that was the plan going in. And so let me just preface this with, we've (laughs) done the PCA show now, I think for, I think maybe seven, eight years, something like that. I can't remember. And typically we don't get a lot of traffic on the first day. Um, we get a little bit. And the second day, we get a little bit more. Usually the third and fourth day of the show is when really we get most of our sales um, because we're just not a top priority for stores. You know, they've got the big exclusive cigar releases they want to get to and all the different other things. And so I, I didn't really know what to expect. So we put it out there with the retailers and said, listen, we're bringing pipes, but if you want pipes, you need to get there early and come grab them because, you know, whatever, whenever they're gone, they're gone. And then we're going to have to start a waiting list. So the show opened on the first day and for, I think, I think within one, about one and a half hours, maybe two hours, (laughs) we were sold out. Like we had, we had uh, a flood of retailers that showed up it was amazing and chaotic and I mean, we were thrilled. It was really cool, but you know, basically after two hours into the show of a four day show, we were already starting that waiting list and, you know, adding sort of back orders, you know, at, at within two hours of the show, it was, (laughs) it was wild. All right. So the answer is we need more, we we need more Oompa Loompas in the factory, right? (laughs) Somehow. Yeah. All right. Somehow. So, so if you're if you're a pipe maker and interested in moving to the Central Tennessee area, you can reach out to Pete. Um, what his? I mean, let, let's talk. I don't think we've gone into great detail, but what what is it that goes into designing a Briarworks shape? Because you, I mean, you've got machinery that gives you some limitations, right? Yeah. So I mean. When we do a new shape, which again, this past couple of years, we've, we have, we've done a couple new things, but really these past couple of years, it's been focused on like just keeping up with, um, with orders. But when we do a new shape, the, there's a couple different processes involved. Um, as most people know by now, uh, we, we use more modern technology for our, our factory pipe production, um, we don't use phrasing machines. We actually use CNC machines, um, which for those that don't know, just means computer numerically controlled. Um, <laughs> and so we use a little bit more advanced 
machinery, which is great because that enables us to um, to do a lot of variety of shapes and to to actually get them off the machines in a really good place um, for finishing so that we can be consistent with our pipes. And so the process is a couple different ways. Uh, one way is me or Bill or somebody else here, we might actually take a, a block of briar and physically shape out like an actual uh, prototype, you know, of a shape. And then we can, from that point, uh, one of our guys that works with us here can take that pipe and we have a little small 3D scanner and can scan the shape and then dump it into the computer program, do all the editing and all that, um, and then write generate code for it so that we can actually run that shape on the machine. Uh, another way that we do it, and sometimes we do this more with the classic shapes just to get them as, um, as exact as we need them to be. Cause you know, with some of the like more handmade type shapes, we want them to have some of those almost imperfections in the shaping. We want them to have that feel of a handmade. We don't yeah. want them to be perfectly, you know, circular and this and that but on a classic shape we actually do want that and so a lot of times with some of the classic shapes what we might do is i'll actually sketch out on paper a a drawing of a shape and i will put measurements exact measurements how i want them and then hand that off uh to our guy here that does all the the computer code and then he can take it into the program that we have and basically do a 3d model of it um and using all those same measurements and then you know we do have one of those little like sort of hobbyist uh 3d printers so that we could actually print that out first before we run a a code program for it so that way we can look at it and just kind of hold it see if it feels right see if we need to go back and make any changes and if we're happy with it then we'll take it to the next step go ahead and create the code for it so that we can actually then, uh, you know, run a program. So that's that's the two basic ways that we go into to designing shapes for for Briarworks. So there, so there is a bit of R and D that goes into mm. putting a shape into the into the product line. Absolutely, and um, and I will say, just in case anybody's wondering or if anybody's like thinking it, we don't, we've never, and we don't ever, and we will never take another factory shape or somebody else's shape and make a copy of that shape. They're all our designs. They're all from our sketches, our actual handmade models. So there is, there is R and D in the sense of we have looked at examples of, you know, old antique pipes and thought that's cool. We should, we should do something like that but let's do this to it or make it just slightly different in this way. So we have looked at examples of old factory pipes that don't exist anymore and tried to bring some of those shapes back into production because frankly, like they're iconic shapes and for whatever reason, they've just gone away and we thought it would be really cool to do our own version of that. Well, and the, and the market's kind of changed. Uh, I mean, over the hundred and hundred plus years of briar pipes, the market has changed from what those sizes are. So you may have to plus up that size of that historic old pipe. Yeah. Uh, upsize it. Or, I mean, some of them keep them, keep them small, keep them petite, because again, there's something about, there's something elegant about some of those old, old factory shapes and the sort of petite size of them that to me is just really cool. And, you know, um, so we do a little variety of everything, you know, from, from really delicate, smaller pipes to, to a larger pipe as well. And, and then you got to put your drilling in it and do the stem work that you guys do to make sure. Cause <laughs> I've seen some pipes from the early 1900s. They weren't really too concerned about what the stem was like. No, definitely not. And I, and, <laughs> you bring up a good point there that I do want to address as well. A lot of people ask us what's different about our pipes from other, other pipes that are out there. And one of the important things that we're 
really focused on. And, you know, I'm not saying every factory because there's a lot of factories out there that make excellent pipes. But when you look at some factory shapes out there, there's not a lot of care that goes into the to the in, inner workings of the pipe in terms of the drilling and how things are laid out internally, which is ultimately what makes the pipe smoke good or not smoke good. And so one of the things that we really focus on is first off making sure that our pipes can run a pipe cleaner down through them, no matter how bent it is or straight, we want to make sure that without removing the stem, you can feed a pipe cleaner down it. Now, some of them that are really bent, you still might have to give it a little twist, but you should be able to get the pipe cleaner all the way down to the bottom, minus the ones that are filter pipes that we've done a few of. And we basically align the drilling in such a way um, that we can accommodate that. And there's this thing that we get questioned about often where and I've, and I've done a couple blog posts about this uh, to kind of explain it to people, but there's sometimes on some of our really bent pipes, when you take the stem off and you look down the shank into the mortise, you might see at the bottom of the mortise a little notch down below the mortise there. And a lot of people don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at it and they'll maybe even email us and say, hey, I think my pipe's misdrilled. There's something wrong with it. There's this little notch down below the the mortise there at the base of it. And I think it got misdrilled. And then we'll explain to them, actually, that's an intentional thing that we do. And what that is, is we're basically creating this little groove down at the base of the mortise to be able to bring the angle of the, the draft hole drilling slightly down so that way when it hits the bottom of the mortise, it's pretty well centered into the bottom of the mortise. Therefore, you can get a pipe cleaner through it. And also when you're smoking, the smoke has a, a clean uh, travel channel to go through. And your draft hole doesn't end up way up above or at the very top of the mortise where it sort of breaks up that flow. And so that's one of those little detail things that we do that you don't typically see on factory production. You see it a lot on handmade pipes, but not necessarily on factory pipes. That's just that you're, you're just ramping it so that the, so that the flow works better. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what. All right. Speaking of handmaids, I've been noticing that, um, it looks like you've been back behind the Pete Prevost bench a little bit more. Man, I, Okay. I think when we started Briarworks, we were so busy for years that unfortunately my handmaids really took a back seat and I just wasn't able to produce a whole lot of them. So for the first handful of years that we were doing Briarworks, you know, I've been making, I don't know, four to 10 pipes a year at the most. And that's just been really sad. You know, I've, I've really missed it because for me, I still love making pipes so much and creating a full handmade pipe is like, it's like therapy for me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's an, it's a great creative uh, outlet for me. And so this last year I decided, you know what, it's been too long since I've put out a decent number of pipes over the course of a year I'm going to make more pipes this year. I'm going to be intentional about it with my schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to really try hard to make more pipes. So actually in 22, I ended up making 25 handmaids, which was a huge jump for me. I think the year before I made five or six pipes. So I think (laughs) it was quite a jump and um, I'm already off to a decent start this year. Uh, I've, I finished up one. I'm working on two others. My goal this year is to uh, to make fifty pipes. So wow, I'm, I'm I'm going for it. I don't know that I've ever made fifty handmaids in a year, to be honest, ever. So <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I'll keep an eye on it. Um, I'm gonna see you at the upcoming Mule Town Pipe Show, which is uh, as soon as I get the dates here. It's the third or f- third week of March. Am I am yep. I right? March March seventeenth through 19th 
are the dates of the show. And we can, yeah, we can go through the, a little yeah. bit more detail about what those dates entail, you know, if you, if you'd like. Yeah. Talk, talk us through what eat, what's happening each day, what we can expect and then, uh, and how much fun we're going to have. So this will be our third time having the Mule Town Pipe Show. We did it um, in 2019, and we did it like in September. And our building, we have air conditioning up front, but in the back of the building, we do not. And <laughs> oh. it is an old 1940s warehouse building. And we found that in September, it's still pretty hot here. So we thought after that first show, even though nobody complained, we saw a lot of people wiping sweat off their forehead during the show. And we <laughs> thought, I don't know that September is the best month for us to do the pipe show here. So 2020, we didn't get to do the show. 21, we didn't get to do the show. Uh, last year in 22 was our first time back with the pipe show. And we did it in March. The weather was great. Um, great time of year to have it and so we are coming back with the show for the third time and it's march 17th through 19th and here's sort of the rundown of what the mule town pipe show is like it's a three-day event but that first day which is a friday which happens to be saint patrick's day this year so that's going to be a lot of fun oh boy um <laughs> yeah yeah and like i said we've got a full bar now so here we go. Oh boy. Um, so Friday night is a little bit of a pre-party. We call it like the pre-party just gathering night of the show. Um, we'll probably have some type of an early check-in set up for uh, people to go ahead and get their wristbands for the weekend. Um, it'll be a great time. We don't have all of the I, – I, I don't feel comfortable completely announcing all the things we're going to be doing Friday night yet, but we're, we're kind of locking down the, the plans for that. But um, usually we do some, some types of, like, factory tour, maybe some type of pipe-making demonstration, um, stuff like that on Friday night. Um, but really, it's just a great time for everybody to get together, catch up, um, have a good time, hang out in our lounge and really get excited about the weekend. And then on Saturday is the, uh, is the actual first day of the show where we actually have in the factory side, all the vendor tables. And now our show is a little different than a lot of the other regional um, pipe shows in the sense that we, you know, we're pretty limited on space. Um, we've got about, you know, 30 or so vendors that we have space for. Um, so it's a little bit smaller in terms of vendors, but we've got a lot of, a lot of customers that come to the show and um, it's great. It's great for the vendors. It's great for the customers. We've so Saturday we'll have the show from, it starts at uh, I think it's at 11 and then it goes till uh, five. And then on Sunday we have the show as well. And it starts at 11 and it goes till three. It's a little bit shorter for people that need to get out of there and, and head home. Yeah. Um, but I will say we've had, so this last year, just based off of numbers from last year, um, we had all the tables sold out. I think we're only maybe, I think we've probably got seven or eight tables left at this point for the show. And Last year, we had about 400 people total that came to the show. Wow. Um, and I, and I kind of checked in, um, and we, we had people from about 26 different states come to the show. So people from all over and uh, a couple international people as well. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's a great time. Like I said, we've got our lounge that's open all day and night. Uh, and we've got a great selection of, you know, beer, spirits, cigars, pipe tobacco, all that. And then you just got this great community aspect of it for the pipe community where, you know, we didn't want it to be about us. We didn't want to just get people to come here and buy stuff from us. But we wanted to, like, use our space to get other carvers out there 
other people that sell estate pipes and pipe tobacco and, you know, different things like that. We wanted it to be a place, a community event uh, for pipes. And so it's great. It's a, it's a really fun time. Downtown Columbia is really cool. Uh, people have a really good time here. Um, and there's lots of great restaurants and other places to visit as well. And there's also another brewery that actually happens to be adjacent to our building, a local brewery that's really good. So it's it's going to be fun. Uh, food trucks, all kinds of different vendors too, not just pipe makers, right? Absolutely, yeah. All kinds of different vendors. And yeah, like you said, food trucks. Um, and we've got... Uh, Another another cool thing that we always do here at the show uh, that we've done every year is uh, Jeremy Reeves from Cornell and Deal. Um, he makes up a special Mule Town mixture, we call it, uh, <laughs> tobacco for the show that's only available at the show in a limited number of tens. And Jeremy always does a really cool uh, pipe making demonstration, usually on Saturday. Um, and that's always a good time. And I feel like each year we've improved that demonstration and tried to make it easier for people to see and hear what he's saying. You know, the first year we didn't even have a microphone. That was a little challenging. So that's always a good time for people to get like a, an inside look at what goes into the blending process. And Jeremy just does such a good job on, on really breaking that down for people. So it's a, I mean, it's a full weekend. It's a three-day event full of pipe smoking and uh, and hanging out and uh, and drinking and smoking and smoking and drinking. And I'm even looking on the map, and it looks like there's a little coffee shop right over, just down uh, the block from you guys. So. Great local coffee shop. Um, so if people want to come or want to learn more about it, they need to visit. We do everything pretty much through our website. So if they want to be a vendor with the tables we still got available, um, or if they would just want to come as an attendee to the show, they need to visit MuletownPipeShow.com. And on that website, if you click the little drop-down menu, you can go to the page for getting a ticket. And what we do with that is a ticket to come to the show in advance, an advance ticket for the show gets you in for the whole weekend. It only costs 10 bucks in advance. And on top of that, what we do when you get here to the show and you check in, you get your wristband. We also are going to give you a little $10 voucher that you actually get back with your advanced ticket purchase. And we have a, we actually have a mule town merchandise booth. And so you can actually take that voucher and put that 10 bucks towards, you know, we have Mule Town merch, we've got Briarworks merch, we've got all kinds of stuff. So you can, you really get that money back towards, you know, spending somewhere else if you'd like and getting a souvenir. And then um, if you don't want to buy your ticket in advance, you just want to show up at the door, that's fine. It's 15 bucks at the door and you get nothing. No, no, no you get into the show. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you, pay your yeah. fift, you pay your 15 bucks, you don't even get to come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I get it. Some people can't really commit to it. Maybe they don't want to do it, you know. But 10 bucks for an advanced ticket, it's really cheap. And, you know, it's a great way to support the show. It's also a great way for us to have an idea of how many people are coming so that we can plan better make sure that we're well stocked. We don't want to run out of beer or anything like that. So um, we do appreciate people buying those tickets in advance. It, it does mean a lot to yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, Mule, Mule, M-U-L-E, Town Pipe Show. <laughs> it's a good thing it's mules and not jackasses. Um, <laughs> or you can get there also through briarworksusa.com. Pete, thanks very much for coming back on here and joining us. I won't make you go through the fast five final questions for a third time. I promise. Uh, it's, I, I love being on here. I, we definitely need to not wait five years again to, to do it. I, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that much time has gone on. Um, it's a great show. And I, I feel honored to get to be a guest on, on such a great show. And so thank you so much for having me. You've already been on the show. No need to kiss up, but go ahead. 
I don't mind. Brian Levine is the best. <laughs> Pete, thanks again. I'll see you. I'll see you at the show in March. All right. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. And do make sure and check out uh, check out the Mule Town Pipe Show. And, uh, you know, I hope to see a lot of you there. Uh, and uh, who of you remember that uh, Pete Prevost is a guitar player and was in a band? And, in fact, the band's name was uh, Sanctus Real. And this song is from their album Pieces of a Real Heart, which was Grammy. It was a, received a Grammy nomination. Uh this song is called The Redeemer, and the reason I picked it is because uh, Pete got writing credit on it, so you get to hear him playing guitar on it. So here we go. Sometimes I just want to start over Because everything looks like a wreck I need the courage to carry on Cause I can't see what's ahead And there are places I've wished I could be Battles I've wanted to win Dreams that have slipped through my hands I may never get back again
And again, the band is Sanctus, S-A-N-C-T-U-S, real, R-E-A-L. And uh, Pete was Pete, Pete played with them for eight, nine years. So check them out on Spotify, just like I did. You've got some mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question or a suggestion, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. Or you can post on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. And that's probably, those two are the best ways to get through to me. Sometimes the uh, social medias, like uh, like the Facebook and the Instagram messages, I just can't keep track of them. I try my best. I do. I do. But anyway, uh, going back to last week's show, Dino says, that was a dizzying but very entertaining journey of pipe purchases and swaps on which you took us. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah, try being in my head. Uh, And then he says, Matthew's memoir was a fascinating look into the McCraney's pipe shop history and legacy. His discussion of tobacco after McClellan shows that good blenders and tobacconists can still produce quality products with what is available. Bravo, Matt. I'm sure the reason you like the lyric suite by Thomas Dunhill is the wonderful interplay of bassoon and piano. Your good taste and a penchant for music featuring reed instruments will be invaluable in enjoying the lovely chamber pieces by Dunhill. Thanks to Dan for introducing your audience to a masterful but little-known composer. Another spot on rant, and thanks for an always entertaining show, Dino. Oh, you're welcome, Dino. Glad you like that whole show. Uh, Casey Ghost says, Your explanation of your numerous pipe trades was very informative and shows what you can do with a little knowledge and a lot of pipes. You always want to trade up in pipes. Thus, you thin the herd and upgrade what you have. I enjoyed the interview with Matthew quite a bit, but if he's the talkative one of the line of his elders, must be clams by comparison. Lord, the guy was tight-lipped. Uh, he took the right attitude when McClellan left the business. He went and found something that blended well with his products and didn't spend a moment looking for the next McClellan. What can you say about the music other than it went on forever? <laughs> damn, damn near took a nap. It was okay, but you didn't have to unload the whole thing on us. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Hopefully you had a good nap, though. Uh, and then, uh, motor John 68 says a great listen must be amazing to grow up in a family business. You truly enjoy. Yeah. And honky tonk man says a bright young man with a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, he is. He's, and I remember he wasn't so smart when he got into the business. Uh, and then I got an email from, uh, Linwood Hines and he said the interview with, uh, Matt McCraney, I believe that I first went to the shop on park road a few months after it opened. Tom and I go way back in very much friendship, a distant dad for me, despite our differences of opinions. Over the years, I've lost touch with Todd and Trent, but now hopefully we'll renew that friendship and we'll bother, oops, uh, Matt sometime. (laughs) Thanks for a great show. Be in touch, Linwood. Yeah, yeah. Keep bothering Matt. It's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to watch him get tortured by some people at the Chicago Pipe Show, too. Uh, And then uh, Bryant writes, uh, Brian, touche, my friend, I stand corrected, but your arrogance is always couched in humor so as to not offend. I have to admit that I had to listen to your pipe trading odyssey a couple of times to get a handle on the particulars. It is a good template for all of us to understand the mechanics of culling, curating, and growing our collections. Matthew McCraney was a great guest. I wish I had a brick and mortar like McCraney's near me to frequent. J.M. Boswell's original store in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, is the one I visit most often. A family-owned business like that is such a valuable thing to have available to survive. Uh, to have available to survive three generations in such a risky business is a true achievement. It sounds like they really did a great job reinventing themselves after the Great McClellan Revolt. I hope they stick around for a long time, and I also hope to meet you there for a pipe one of the one of these days. Uh, Thomas Dunhill is an appropriate choice for a Pipes Magazine show, so credit to Dan for his astute selection. The piece was very nice and relaxing, and I enjoyed it greatly. Your mental image of a Victorian parlor closely echoed my impression as I listened to the classical music. 
a nice warm image to stave off the cold of the Adirondacks in winter. Thank you, my friend. And as always, keep up the good work. Warm regards, Bryant. Yeah, thank you. And uh, that was a dizzying. Uh, I, I had to listen to it a couple times just to make sure I did it right and made sure that I gave the correct path for my for the pipes that I ended up getting. Uh, and then uh, lastly, Jason writes, I really enjoyed your wheeler dealer story about the pipes. I hope to do some pipe swapping at Chicago myself this year. It just makes things a little bit more interesting. I know from guests on your show that was kind of how pipe shows used to be. I also really enjoyed hearing from Matthew about the process of going from McClellan to other sources. It's something I haven't heard much about, but we do know that many other famous brick and mortars had to do the same. I did enjoy the music very much as well. Uh, regarding the pipe smokers, okay, got that. So, uh, yeah, so apparently um, the wheeler-dealer thing, the, the one thing I want to make sure that you do is that you, when you are trading, you will find that um, some traders give you different values on pipes. So try to trade where you get the highest value. All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and uh, rant time is coming up next. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Milafolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Some of you pipe smokers can be cheap, tighter than a crab's patootie. Cheap. Can I say that again? Cheap. And here's what I mean. Uh, pipe cleaning and restoration. It's part of the pipe smoking game. You have to have your pipes. If your pipes aren't clean, then they're just not going to smoke right. If you don't have the skill to do it yourself and the patience to do it yourself, then you have to find somebody that does it. If it takes somebody maybe two hours to clean the stem, clean the inside of the stem, clean the draft hole, clean the mortise, clean the bowl and ream it and everything. If it takes two hours to do that, how much is a craftsman's two hours of time worth? Well, don't be cheap and don't try to do it yourself. You got $150 Peterson and you smoke it a couple of times a week all year long and after a couple of years it starts to taste funky, well, pay the 40 or 50 bucks to get it reamed and cleaned professionally and it'll taste like and it'll be like it's back to new. But don't be cheap and don't argue with someone, oh, it's just a ream and clean and it should only take about 20 minutes and blah, blah, blah. No, a really good ream and clean will take a couple hours, especially on an ebonite stem or a vulcanite stem. It'll take time and you pay for that time. And if you want it done right, then you got to get the right craftsman to do it for you. Don't be cheap. And remember what I've said in the past, don't buy discount brake jobs, discount vasectomies, and discount sushi. Well, don't do a half-assed discount job on cleaning your pipes because you're going to ruin the tobacco and the tobacco that you've bought 
has money in it, especially if you've aged it for a while. All right. So just don't be so cheap. All right. Again, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. iTunes or Apple podcast, whatever it's called this week. Uh, those ratings and reviews are much appreciated. Keep sharing out the pipes magazine radio show wherever you are and, uh, keep an eye on my social media and, uh, follow me there. All right. Thank you to uh, Pete for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy was an authentic frontier gibberish. It expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.